ready to hear some good word today. I have with me today Pastor Brian Wright from Boomerang Church. So, Hello. Yeah, just welcome, greet everybody. Glad to be here again. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and, and just so everyone knows, Brian does, uh, Pastor Brian does a production or a, um, um, it's called Lunch Plus. So I don't know, it's a show or something every day, Monday through Friday. So uh, take a look at, I think, what's the name of the YouTube channel they can go find that at? Uh, just Brian Wright, B-R-Y-A-N-W-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, just youtube.com slash Brian Wright. And uh, they can go to uh, what's right.com and uh, what's right.com, uh, what's right with the W, you know, W H A T S W R I G H T dot com. And uh, all the links are there. But we're live every every weekday, 11 30 a.m. Eastern. There's 30 minutes of fun and games and some prayer. And then we get into the word for an hour every weekday. So we have hundreds now. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. How long have you been doing that? Um, we, we started that when, during the lockdown. So oh, as soon as everybody, they said everybody stay at home, the Lord right. said, I want you to get daily bread into people. They're going to need fresh daily bread to go through yeah. this in victory. And so yeah. we started doing that. I had no idea that we'd still be doing it a year and a half later. It was not, that was not the plan. And, uh, but that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we got about halfway through it and God said, we got about halfway through it. He said, I don't want you to stop this. And I was like, what? <laughs> we found out during a broadcast and I told everybody, I was like, hey guys, uh, we're not stopping this. Okay, great. All right, good. <laughs> it's been blessing, man. People have been being blessed. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've been talking about finances all week and uh, yeah. the simplicity of biblical finances, how God uses that. Uh, it's like Christianity 101. It's the little thing. But then if you can understand the function and the flow of finances, God can move you into the true riches of the kingdom in Luke 16. And uh, so we were talking about the simplicity of it. He'll move you into the anointing and the glory and healing and fasting at a higher level and all of that, all of that's tied into finances because if you can learn those ways, but if you think about it, I know you know this as a pastor, in most American churches, the moment you start talking finances, the crowd just shuts down, which yeah. tells me that the, the little thing that's the first part of kingdom understanding, that little thing we don't have a clue. That means we have not grown up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. So I like talking about finances now. I didn't like it at the beginning, but I, I see what the Lord's doing with it. But we were talking about the simplicity of finances, one ingredient that was absolutely necessary uh, mm -hmm. for multiplication in your finances, and uh, talking about covenant partnerships and heartfelt covenant partnerships with ministries that have a grace on them. And then we were talking about multiplying their finances, how to multiply their finances yesterday. Today was a great question and answer day on all yeah. of that. And it's interesting. Yeah. The reason I say all that is this, that watching it was people's, people's finances are going up. I mean, we had a testimony just this week. This happened this year. A lady, she doesn't, she's actually from out of state, was watching the broadcast, you know, the one that we didn't plan on doing, she said, I need, the Lord told her, you've got this little bit of extra money. I want you to turn it into seed, and I want you to sow it into boomerang. 
and sow it into our ministry. We didn't even know her. We didn't know her. Now she's a great friend, but we didn't know her. And yeah. she shows up at the Kickstart. Uh, we do a, a yearly thing called Kickstart to kick the year off. So we'll fast and pray at the beginning. Then we have a week-long meeting, generally with uh, Ted Shellsworth Jr., he and I. And uh, she came down for that. But uh, that seed was, I think, under $1,000. And mm-hmm. from that seed, she's now had a harvest. There's over $50,000 of debt supernaturally erased this year which we were, the Lord gave us a word for, you're going to have supernatural increase this year, and we've seen it. And um, But that came from a broadcast that we didn't know we were doing and just the fruit of that. So it's it's awesome to watch. That, that is awesome. Yeah. Last yeah. year when, this, when that lockdown happened, um, we did something similar. We did what we call our seven at sevens, seven days a week, seven minutes a night, seven different people. And uh, we just did that every night to kind of just keep, that word in people to give them a connection to it. Yeah. It was only seven minutes long. So it's real bite size, easy to, you know, <laughs> watch and stuff. Uh, so man, but you're doing like an hour every day. That's just amazing, man. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of prep time. Just so everybody knows that's a lot of preparation <laughs> every day. Uh, not even to mention Sundays that you preach. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I definitely, you definitely, get uh, more into the word <laughs> for sure and but it's been you know the holy spirit helps with all that there's a grace to do it and um I, you know great teacher huh he's the great teacher he is he is which is what we're talking about today so <laughs> great yeah, seg- I did that. great segue I did. pastor john that was amazing that's, that's why i'm here man <laughs> Well, speaking of our topics today, and let me just encourage everybody to go look at his website or his Facebook page or his YouTube page, uh, follow. And if you want to know more about finances, jump on there and listen to this week. I listened oh. to, uh, I think a couple days ago and it was, it was really good. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. I love, I love a lot of what you're doing on there and just how you're interacting with having some fun and, you know, lightheartedness and stuff. And I like yeah. I think it was the day where they were on Tatooine. So that will will spark a little interest out there. I was like, what's happening? That's awesome. They will appreciate just that you said that. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're yelling in the production room at me right now. As soon as I saw the the background and stuff, I was like, what is this, Star Wars? Yeah. yeah. Now we're talking. So anyway, I digress. But today we are here and... And Pastor Brian and I are going to talk about the true nature of God. It's kind of our theme for this month. And it might be, and what I told uh, uh, Pastor Gerald and and I think even uh, Pastor Anthony was, I, I'm just going to do this until I feel a release or we can move on. Because I think this is one of the most critical things you have to really know yes. about God for you to get anything else from God Yes, and to receive anything. Because if you don't know his nature, you think he's going to uh, strike you with cancer or he's going to heal you. How? Why would you ever go to a God where it's a 50-50 chance like that? I wouldn't. So um, I was just reading a, a book uh, by Arthur Mahentis, um, and I don't know it's called Who is Man? And he, he was sitting next to an atheist on a plane, and this atheist, you know, he goes, what do you do? And he goes, well, I'm a pastor. And he goes, well, or he's, I'm a minister. And he goes, well, I'm an atheist. I don't even believe in God. So 
So Arthur Mantis says, well, tell me about this God you don't believe in. And so he sits there and tells him all about this God he doesn't even believe in, but knows everything about him, supposedly. So he talks about how God allows all this sickness, all this disease, all the hurricanes, all these death and wars and all these things. And, you know, and so Arthur's like, well, I don't believe in that God I don't either. believe in that one either. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, and then the guy gets kind of incredulous, like, oh, you're just blah, blah, and then just doesn't talk to him anymore. But unfortunately, that's the common yeah kind of idea out there so yeah one thing i wanted to specifically talk about today was this whole concept of somebody might say well god didn't give me sickness i don't believe god gives sickness but he allowed me to get sick in order to slow me down to teach me something to show me i've been too busy or whatever it's yeah it, and it, it goes to this misapplication of, of I think it's Romans 8.28 on, you know, God can use everything for good. It's like, well, that, yes, but also you need to finish reading the rest of the verse. Yeah. Anyway, so Brian, yeah. let me just kind of toss this into you. When you have somebody come up to you and say, <laughs> well, you know, God allowed this to happen to me and, uh, you know, God allowed me to get cancer and now I have a testimony. What? How would you redirect them and how would you reveal God's true nature to them? Well, you know, sometimes the Lord will give you a situation like uh, Arthur had on that airplane uh, and he'll give you a supernatural wisdom on what to say to somebody and that you can, you can obviously uh, see the Lord's hand in that and the wisdom, you know, that reminds me of the wisdom of Jesus, how they would think they had them trapped and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, really? Well, what about this? And they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, and uh, you can see that in that situation. And and sometimes those situations are like that, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes the Lord has you pass them by, which Jesus yeah. also did that. He walked right past people. Uh, one, thing, one thing that I've learned about right before we started the church, it was 13 years ago in January, the mm-hmm. Lord led me into fasting and prayer for a week, I read through all the Gospels that week, and uh, one of the things that the thing, the thing that stuck out to me the most was Jesus never healed or touched anybody or, or blessed them that did not come to him. Now, and, I, and most of them, they physically came to him. Those were the ones that got healed. And so a lot of times, now, he did set up meetings but even there's two examples of that that I, I think somebody might would argue, but there's, uh, I, can, I can explain how they still came to him. So, for example, when he saw the woman who was in the funeral pr- procession whose child had died, and then you have the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus went to them. Now, here's the first thing. Why did he go to them? And think about the pool of Bethesda. I've been there. It's a big place. They had the sick. There's multiple pools there. Um, they had the sick all over, all over the place. He stepped over a lot of sick people to go to the one man who would receive from him. And mm-hmm. uh, that man didn't even know he was ready to receive, uh, but the Lord led him. And understand that Jesus didn't do that flippantly. God led him specifically. He said he never did anything, me paraphrasing, he never did anything but what the Lord uh, did, and he never said anything but what he heard the Lord say. He saw him do, he heard him say, those are the things he did and said. So if he went to that man, the Lord, the Father directed him. The second thing is this, 
that that man had to come to him in his heart. In other words, he had to change his way of thinking and decide, I have a man to, to put me in the water of God's healing. It doesn't have to be that physical water. I have the Savior, the Messiah, stand in front of me, and he came to him in his heart. Same thing with the woman. In, you know, Think about what it takes in humility. Uh, think about what it takes in humility for uh, the lady in the middle of a funeral procession for her child to have some traveling minister come up and interrupt the funeral. Um, that's a humility. And so she had to come to him and humble herself in her heart. And as she did, of course, the end result was, was wonderful because her child was raised back to life. So everybody else came to Jesus physically. And uh, the, my point in saying that is that a lot of times, uh, what we have to see is the importance of coming to Jesus. In Matthew 11, uh, 28 through 30, it says, Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I am gentle, and I will, you will learn from me. I'm gentle. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so a lot of people want it easy and light, but they don't realize they need to come to Jesus and do it his way. And so a lot of people will come to Jesus, but then they won't learn from him. They won't do it his way. And in this word, there's a lot of ways of God. What we're talking about today is also a way of God. But we've got to be in the place where we humble ourselves in that. So a lot of times when people, I, I can't tell you the number of times where I've been around somebody, and all they want to do is argue their point and stay, you know, stay right in their own thinking. And uh, I won't argue that. I, I don't debate. You know, if, if, if you want to learn, I'll sit and talk with you all day, all night, and I've done it. Most everybody can hear be like, can tell you, I'll talk about the Lord and, and his goodness all through the night. Um, but if you want to debate, I don't have time for that, and neither does Jesus. He doesn't do that as well. He, he would have the wisdom of God and, and just, you know, finish it really quick. Uh, but he wouldn't even, he wouldn't be looking for that. So, a lot of times people have grown up in a society where they've been taught a certain way. And I think you and I talked about it last time where, um, you know, on the timeline of our life, why is it that we fight and strive so hard to maintain the doctrines that we learned in the most immature spiritual season of our life? You know, we should yeah. take all of those doctrines, put them on the altar of God search the word like we've never seen it before and either reaffirm those doctrines from the word again now or find out that I never needed to believe that in the first place. Here's what the Bible actually says. And this is right. one of those items that people will get so firm in themselves and um, we need, one of the things that we need to do is like, what does the word say about this? How does the word talk about this if God's allowing me to do that? Um, you know, God will God will take a situation and utilize the situation, but that doesn't mean that he puts us in it, and that doesn't mean that he allowed us to go there to teach us. And uh, one of the main uh, issues with that is in John, I think it's John 14, 26. Yeah. Uh, yeah, John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So sickness is not the teacher. The Holy Spirit is. Yeah. <laughs> That's not 
Sickness is not the teacher. That would be God breaking his word, and right. uh, that's not what how God does that. Now, he'll take a situation, and the Holy Spirit will, will teach you in that situation, but that sickness is not my teacher. You know, that pain is not my teacher. You know, I'm not going to take... I'm not going to take my son and and grab a hold of his wrist, turn on the oven, you know, the eye of the oven, the burner, and take his hand, plop it down on there and say, hey, learn something. Don't ever touch this again. Like, right. no, I, I can just teach him. <laughs> As a loving father, I can say, don't do that. That hurts, you know. And and I might can say, I, I might can get there and hold his hand up here, but I'd hold it so he wouldn't touch it on accident. I'm not going to even let him get close enough to really hurt, but say, you know, hey, do you feel that heat? If you felt it right there, it really, really hurts. Don't do that, you know. That's a yeah. loving, gentle teacher that Jesus does through the Holy Ghost, that's the operation of God. And when we don't understand that, we really see that God, that that atheist didn't believe in. And, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to me how much a sin consciousness wants mm -hmm. us to pay a price for our yeah. righteousness that Jesus has already paid for. It wants to pay a penalty it always wants to pay something. It wants to go back into legalism, and it wants to check the box instead of just receiving. God is a good God. God is a good God. And I'll, I'll bring it up again in a minute, but like the study of um, Robert Young's uh, when he did his concordance and translation and mm -hmm. the allowative tense of verbs and things like that, did God smite them? Did God strike them? Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'll turn it back over to you. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. You know, and I'm glad you brought up like the parent and child um, kind of comparison because, yeah. you know, if we being evil are can express good to our kids, how much more can the Father God, who's all good? Yes. His yeah. And so, I mean, if you wouldn't teach your kid and, you know, they say, well, well, God didn't give me the sickness, but he allowed it to happen to me. It's like, well, if it were within your power to yeah. stop it, would you prevent your kid from having something happen? Would yeah. you prevent them from falling and hurting? Yes, you would not allow them to hurt themselves. Yeah. So, and I like what my, my dad says is he did some study on, on this, um, you know, like God allowed this to happen to the Israelites or caused cause this or whatever. And the actual Hebrew thought was he could not prevent it from happening. I, so I don't know if that's where you were going, but yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it's that is we've taken this idea and we've allowed this idea that God's just this big bad guy. And yeah. uh, I think one of the one of the greatest points that I ever saw on this was that Hebrews one uh, three says that mm -hmm. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. So I think uh, in common thinking, stereotypical thinking, most people would look at the Old Testament God versus Jesus in the New Testament, and the, and the thinking would be, uh, Jesus is okay, but I don't like God of the Old Testament. I think that would yeah. be a pretty common thought towards, yeah, right. towards somebody that didn't know him. And, uh, but what you have to understand is that God the Father was setting up in the Old Testament an eternal victory and a legal victory that the devil could not win nor turn and setting up a system 
and not allowing evil to come against people as much as he could. At some points, they decided, I'm going into evil like Pharaoh. Um, you know, even the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, that's an item I've done some study on. And um, we can talk about that in this conversation too. But one of the things that you see is that Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. In other words, he was the full picture. He was the full picture. And, uh, you know, here, here's a, a couple of, one of the two great points that I see about that is if Jesus did it, that's what the Father wanted to do. Mm-hmm. If Jesus did it, that's what the Father wanted to do. Now, let me, let me show you one point just right off the bat here about this, and then I'll go into an, another part of it. But one, one point is this. Look at this. Uh, Matthew 12, uh, 15, just one verse. Matthew 12, man, I just turned literally right to the page. Matthew 12, 15. He said... I was happy I turned within a chapter, man. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even have that plan. Thank you, Lord. And uh, he says, but Jesus aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him, and he healed them all. He healed mm-hmm. them all. So now one thing you're talking about, he would go into whole cities and heal them all. He yeah. would be in crowds of thousands and heal them all over and over and over and over again. Certainly, if this was a way of God to use sickness to teach something, there would have been one that needed that in all those crowds. But you never see one scripture where he, Jesus goes, oh, well, no, I'm going to heal everybody else, but you need to learn something. You know, you never see that. You never see that. And so if you don't see that in Jesus, that's not who the Father is. That's not his character. That's not his nature. And the issue is if the devil can, if the devil can convince people that this is who God is, then all of their faith is null and void on healing. It's on the promises of God. All of their faith is null and void because they are waiting to learn something instead of grabbing a hold of it with their faith now. They're, yeah. they're going to be in, in hold mode. They're going to be always waiting. There's never any appropriation. There's never e- any grabbing of that. And when I say that, I'm referring to Mark eleven twenty four, 24, uh, where it says uh, faith believes, and here's how God, godly faith works, that you believe you have received. The original language li- literally means take it. In other words, with your faith spiritually, you take it and you grab a hold of it now. You grab a hold of that spiritual blessing and it's working and manifesting in you right then. So they never can take it because they don't know. Uh, Faith begins where the will of God is known. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ and manifest through us. In other words, that's where it goes from the spiritual promise to a manifestation in the physical. What does he manifest? He manifests through us the knowledge of him in every place. So if we don't have proper knowledge of our father and we think that he's using sickness, then we'll never have knowledge, true knowledge of him 
which means I'll never be able to reach out and grab a hold of it with my faith, which means I'll never get healed in that area. And even if I got healed, I'd probably give it away uh, because of it. So, But you never see that doctrine. You don't see that doctrine in Jesus' ministry. He never did that. You know, at the very least, you would have seen it one time. Well, this is yeah. this is the way it is. And even the one that they that sometimes people use, well, this was this sickness was for the glory of God. It wasn't yeah. for the glory of God to keep them in that place that whole time. It was for the glory of God because God's about to get the glory because He's healed. You know, right. it it's not. It's like why are you looking at it like it? You've got to pay a price of sickness. That's right. not, God's not withholding any good thing to those who walk uprightly. Yeah, it's, it wasn't the sickness that made glory go to God. It was no. the healing. Yes, the healing the of it. The and defeating of the enemy and from the sickness. Yes. So, yeah, and, you know, it, it to me, it's like, I, I understand that, you know, people will say that, and I think a lot of it, goes to their personal experience yeah um, and and it goes to understanding or lack of an understanding of their authority yeah and the authority that man has on the earth when they think god's in control god just does everything he wants um and it, and it goes down that and before i go any further let me just remind everybody i forgot to do this in the beginning we're halfway through so might as well do it now but <laughs> if you have any questions please post yes. them on here we'll answer those uh, as best we can, or I'll reply back privately or whatever to to get you those uh, questions answered. But I, I I hope you're paying attention to what Pastor Brian's talking about and and just understanding that you really have to understand God's nature yes. so that you know His goodness towards you. Yes. Um, and if you can't find, and I love Dan Moeller says, if you can't find it in the life of Jesus, you shouldn't find it in our life. No, that's right. And if you don't see Jesus going up to people and going, let me pray. Oh, wait, no, God's teaching you something. Let me move on to the next. You're going to learn that. It, it's never, it, that's not a scripture. You know? Yes. So, um, you know, I, I just, I, I understand mentally some of the, why people say these things. Yes. I don't understand spiritually knowing our position and our authority. So, um, you know, Pastor Brian, it looks like you're turning to something. You got something cooking, so I'm... Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I got like three different places. I'm just marking them here. I got okay. a fly. I'm about to curse out of here. Like, get out of here, fly. And <laughs> uh, all right, so... I had, a fly, I had a fly in here before this, about five minutes, and I was able to track it down and kill it before it did that to me. He's, so. <laughs> there's, there's been one in here for like three days. So like, that's enough, all right? You know, in Jesus' name, get out of here. Um, so one of the things that you one of the things that you see, let me show you this verse, Psalms 115 and verse 16. The heavens, because what we're talking about is the sovereignty of God and it does everything that happened, uh, is it God's will? Well, it's really simple to see that when you see that God desires that everybody come to the saving knowledge of Christ, but yeah. he says in his word that won't happen. So you can see right there, his will is not done in that area. You can see that his will was actually actually for Israel never to have a king. But he yeah, gave them a right. king. He, he kept them away from kings as long as he could. He kept them away as long as he could, like what you were saying in that mercy. 
He kept them away as long as he could, but their unrighteousness pulled to it so much. And I want you, this, this is a really good thing uh, to, to take a look at. Why did God give them a king? Why did he give them a king? If that was not his will, why did he give them a king? They wanted it. They wanted it, and, and if you think about it like this, his heart to bless them is so much, they got to the position where they had a stronghold about having a king. Had he not given them a king, they would have actually been in a worse position than if, they would have, than, than if he would have withheld that from them. But it wasn't because it was the best for them. It was because they had taken their mind to the position that they couldn't see it any other way, and it actually would have been more detrimental to hold it back than to give them second best. And it wasn't because it was. It wasn't because it was. Can you see that? It wasn't because it was the best. It's because they actually got to the place where they had walked in so much unrighteous thinking that it's mm-hmm. kind of like the tares and the wheat. You know, if yeah. you go in, he leaves them there because if, yeah. he, re- if he rips up the bad, uh, the good will be damaged as well. And it's like yeah. that. In our mind, we gave ourselves so much to the bad that now if he rips those pieces out, it'll actually do damage to us. Uh, we've got to lay ourselves on the altar and let him surgically you know, transform our thinking. Of course, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about that. And this yeah, is one of those issues. We can't yeah. get so much in a stronghold that God can't even do what he really wants to do, which is heal us because we've gotten a stronghold in our mind. No way. I've seen people cuss because they want to hold on to their sickness. <laughs> I mean, I've seen them cuss because they're trying to hold on to it. I'm like, God's a good God. Like, I'm telling you, God's a good God, and he doesn't want you going through that pain. And they're like cussing. I'm like, yeah. my goodness, that's an example of that. They are so set that it actually does more damage until they allow that thinking to be uh, corrected in that way. So you see that it's really what's in character here is the, the sovereignty of God is everything that God wants happening. The answer is no. You look at Psalms 115 and verse 16. Yeah. It says this. It says that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Hey, I see Pastor Gerald on there. Good to see yeah. you. Love you. Yeah. And um, he actually quoted that verse uh, Tuesday. Who did? Pastor Gerald. Oh, praise verse. God! Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, one of the things that you see, I, I have a delay on this screen. I'm looking at. I'm actually on Facebook here, and uh, okay. I looked at that screen. It looks so similar. I saw you talking on the screen, but it's muted. I was like waiting for you to finish your comment, and I realized live you weren't saying anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, all right. Um, it says, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. And I want yeah. you to see this. This is why Jesus had to come in the form of a man, because yeah. he had given the earth to men. It was only a man that was going to be able to redeem it. And in order, he would be breaking his word had a man not redeemed it. So Jesus had to come like a man. Well, the issue is, we're sitting around waiting for God to take control back of the earth, and he's already given it into our hands. And we see that transfer again in Jesus where he says, all power has been given unto me or all authority has been given unto me. Go, therefore. So mm-hmm. when he made that, when he said, hey, here's the power I have, 
go. He transferred. He had grabbed the keys back from the devil. The earth was in Adam's hands. He gave, he gave the earth to the devil's hand. He was the God of this world. And then Jesus came, grabbed the keys back, and then he turned right back to his disciples and said, now you go, therefore. Now, now you go, and he transferred that authority back to men. Why do bad things happen? Because men don't utilize their authority in Christ. And so yeah. one of the things that we have to see is that we have, God has done his part. Now we have a part, and our part is faith. Our part is faith, and our faith is based on the word of God, the character and nature of God, and the promises of God. So if the devil can uh, uh, taint our image of God, then we will never reach out with our faith. Or if he can taint our image of ourself, in other words, we're not, in other words, we're not the righteousness of God in Christ from 2 Corinthians 5.21. We're not made the new creation from verse 17, but we're actually still dirty, filthy rags. Then we feel like we don't have a right to the goodness of God. Or if he can taint that God is a good God, he's a mean God, he's, he's the, the guy the atheist doesn't like, if right. the devil can taint that idea either of God or of ourselves, we won't reach out in faith. Mm -hmm. Our faith will be broken. But when you look at the word as your standard and you go in, like one of my favorite verses is James 1.17. Yeah. James 1.17 says, every good thing given... And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. There is no variation or shifting shadow. It's not there. And, you know, I, did we talk about that verse last time I was on here? I, I'm looking at you because I see you over here. But Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, okay. I don't recall exactly. But okay, all right. So one of the great things, years ago I was reading this verse and the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to, there's something in this verse. I can feel it in my spirit. Teach it to me. And uh, he said, this verse is a picture of my character, my nature, and my love. And uh, he said, first of all, you don't have any good or perfect thing in your life if it didn't come from me. Think about that. Every good thing that you have, I have, anybody has, every perfect thing God put it there. If it's yeah. good and perfect, it didn't come from any other source. It came from God. Now, we're not talking about man's good and perfect things and, and what they think. We're talking about God's perfect nature and his perfect wisdom said, this is, this is a good thing. This is a perfect thing. This is an absolute purity of what is good and perfect. And everything that we have that's good and perfect, it came from God. So think about that. Without God's gifts in our life, we have no good, no perfect. All of it came from God. Well, that thought alone makes me thankful right away. It, I, it, it paints a, a different picture of the Lord immediately in my life. I'm thinking of him different, like, man, I wouldn't have anything good if it wasn't for God. But then, then you see this. He says, all of those things came from me. From who? The Father of light. The Father mm -hmm. of light. Now, if you understand that in him is there is no darkness at all. There's no darkness in the Father. There's no darkness in the Son. There's no darkness in the Holy Spirit. You know, he can, he can see everything in the light and in the darkness, but there's no darkness in him. None. 
Zero. And that's what this verse is showing us too. This yeah. verse is a picture of God's love to us. It's a picture of God's love to us. I think about, I think it's Psalms 84, 11. You know, God is not withholding any good thing from those who walk uprightly. It, the yeah. Lord is blessed when we're blessed. That it, He talks about, and we're not supposed to forget any of his benefits. So we're supposed right. to look at these verses and not forget it. We're, we're supposed to say, this is, this is for me, and I'm not forgetting this. I don't care what the devil throws at me. I don't care how it feels when the bill collector calls or I, got, I feel like I need to go to the doctor. No, I'm going to remember who God is. I'm going to remember yeah. him. But he says this. He says, the Father of lights, with whom? The picture of his character, nature, and love. With whom? The Father of lights. There's no variation or shifting shadow. So if you can imagine that, his love is pointed at us 100% yeah. pure, and, and this is what I want you to see. And his love will never vary from us one nth of a degree. See, if I, if I have a light shining right at my face, straight where the camera is, if I turn ever so slightly to this right. side, as soon as I turn, I mean the very millisecond I start to turn, shadows start to form from that turning. That's showing us that the love of God is so mighty and so pure that he never even begins to turn his love away from us. That's what the devil's attacking. That's yeah. what the devil wants to attack. He wants to attack that character and nature of God because if we will believe that God will turn his face from us, if we will believe that God will turn his face from us, then we'll just accept all of the curse in our life. And our testimony will not be of God's glory. It'll be the testimony of a worldly God that is a yeah. dictator over his people. And he's not that. He's yeah, not that. Right. And it reminds me of the verses in, um, in Isaiah in chapter 51 and chapter uh, 54. I believe it's like 51, 8 or 9 and 54, 22 maybe. Uh, that's a guess. But it's in both of those where God's talking about future Israel. He's talking about you and I born again through Christ in the new covenant of God. And he says, this cup of, of anger, this is a judgment. He says, you in the, in the family of God now, you will never taste it again. You will, he makes a promise. You will yeah. never taste it again. You will never drink from my fury. He said, I make this promise like the promise of the rainbow with, with Noah. You will yeah. never taste it again. And see, when we start to realize the absolutes that God uses about his love, these things stop being thought in our mind that God's doing this. And we've got to get to that place of trust and faith in what the word says about our father and not what we've heard, not what we've been preached to. There's been a, yeah. most of the doctrine about this has come through pulpits. They're in the yeah. wrong area, it's come through pulpits because they've looked to experience instead of the word as their instructor. They've looked to sickness as their teacher instead of the Holy Ghost. And we can't do that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it we talk about like God allowing something. It's like, why do we think God allowed sickness when there's so many verses in scripture or, or poverty or depression or yeah. any other negative aspect? Why do whenever it, it clearly talks about how Jesus died on the cross to set us free from all of those. 
He so carried sickness. What God allowed? Why don't you yeah. talk about God allowing His Son to die to set you free from those? Yes. Why would He pay a price of taking those stripes? Yeah. You know, those stripes were specifically for sickness. You know, mm -hmm. those stripes were. He was already going to die. Why would He take that extra step to make sure that we saw? I paid a price for your sickness. You know, by His stripes we were healed. And see, that's another thing is that just the thought that, that we are allowed to go into sickness. See, we're in John 17, it says that the disciples uh, and the believers, not just the ones sitting in front of them, but every believer, they are kept from the evil one. Jesus prayed that they're kept. So we've got to see sickness as an item that is illegal to operate in our life or to even try. It's already paid for. I'm the kept of the Lord. No, I'm not allowing this in my house. I'm not allowing it in my body. No, yeah. in Jesus' name. And so this is, this is a part of seeing what the Lord said in the Word, Come approaching it from that aspect instead of approaching it from an experiential doctrine uh, uh, mindset. And we've got to move into what the Word says in order to have that fullness and if we're not doing that, think about this. Um, one of the things that I, I thought about this years ago is, it, let's say that I was, you know, believing God for a really big uh, Christmas present for my kids, and I saved up for it, and I put, and I went and picked it out and everything, and then my kids opened it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's really great." And then they set it in the corner, and it got du collected dust for the whole year. Well, I'm gonna be irritated. Because I saved for that. I picked it out. I paid a price for that. And you are not esteeming the gift, which means you're not esteeming the wisdom and my love for you. You're not, a, and, and I know the gift will really benefit you, and I'm hurt that it won't benefit you. So there's a lot of problems with that. We're not talking about a Christmas present here. We're talking about stripes on the, on the back of our Lord and Savior. We're talking about stripes on the Son of God who laid down his divinity to come in a low form of mankind who were yeah. sinners, helpless, and enemies of God. Stripes that he took for you and me. There's no way I want to take that gift and, and uh, deface it by saying, well, God's just, God's just wanting me to be sick because he's trying to teach me something. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm throwing away that gift. I'm, at the very least, I'm dishonoring it. I'm dishonoring who I'm comparing sickness to the Holy Ghost as a teacher. Like the, I'm, I'm saying that, that sickness is a teacher with more priority than the Holy Ghost in my life. This, we're on the verge of some real, can you see? And the devil is like, oh, glory to God. You know, or not, he wouldn't say glory to God, but you know, he's like, good. They're, yes. not honoring, they're not honoring God at all. Matter of fact, now they're thinking bad about God. They're thinking he is a big, bad, mean God, you know? Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's funny, you, you try to say something good and all that comes out is glory to God when you get it in you. And <laughs> devil wouldn't say that. And anyway, <laughs> it's one of those things where can you see the great, uh, not in a good way, the big work that the devil has deceived people into to turn the Holy Ghost into sickness and to take the gift that Jesus did, set it completely to the side and never receive it. And see, if I'm a dad with that gift and my, my child doesn't receive it, 
man, my heart really hurts because I want them to receive that gift. I want them to have it. I want yeah. them to have it. I want them to receive the benefit of it. And they're not having it. They're, sh they're not having the benefit in their life. They're showing that they don't have respect for me. They're showing they don't have respect for my wisdom and decision in that way. And uh, we're not talking about here just an earthly dad and a, and a Christmas present. We're talking about the Son of God and what he's done and finished that work. And it's, a, it's illegal, but we've allowed it by our own authority. And that's what the devil does, you know. In Revelation, every time he goes into the world and out of the world, he takes deception with him. He deceives the nations no more, or he comes back to the de deceive the nation. Deception is his weapon, and so that's why we've got to get into the Word. We've got to take these pet doctrines, put them on the altar, let the fire of God purge them, let the fire yeah. of God prove them. And uh, if the fire of God proves them and they still remain by, by surviving the test of the Word, but an unbiased look at the word, then praise God. Uh, but if it doesn't, then we never should have been believing on it in the first place. You know? mm -hmm. And um, and two things, well, three things I really want to look at before we get done is, number one, I want to look at the adulterous woman. I want to look at, um, I want to look at Jeremiah 29, 11, and what does God have planned for us? And I want to, I want to talk about the sovereignty of God and how he is not that guy that puts sickness on you. Um, so the first thing is in Jeremiah 29, 11, and, and I'm going to go there and read it to you directly. This is out of the New American Standard. But uh, this is a great verse. Lots of people quote it, but there's a, there's a point in here that I think is overlooked many times. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So the Lord is declaring his plans towards us. Here mm -hmm. by the Holy Ghost in Scripture, he's declaring his plans, God's plans. Not my plans, not your plans, you know, not some other pastor's plans or thinking. This right here, here's the Lord's plans for us. You know, you can see other plans in John 10.10. 10. Get the new, the new covenant version, you know. The thief comes yeah. only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and it, have and enjoy life in the Amplified to the full till it overflows. So that's yeah. a real black and white you know, situation there. Jesus said, I want you blessed. I want you healed. I want you overflowing in fullness of life. Sickness is not fullness of life. Stealing, right. killing, and destroying is sickness, right? Uh, here he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare for you to fare well, for you to, to you, for you to walk in the blessing is what that means. It's not our welfare system today. Plans for you to fare well and not for calamity to give you a future and hope. Uh, look at this. And, and if you're watching online, put this in the comments. God has no plans for my calamity. Sickness is a calamity. God has no plans for that. It's an absolute right now. God has no plans to put sickness in your life. That's not in his plans. That's not in his plans. He, he has no plans for your calamity. It, it, it's not part of some big grand scheme. That no. That have such a hard time understanding, but because he's infinite in his knowledge, it, he, doesn't even, he doesn't even think that way. No, not at all. He doesn't think about putting sickness or anything calamity or anything bad on you because all his ideas, his plans, his thoughts, <laughs> For you are for good. Yes, to fare well. 
Yeah. To farewell. Yeah. You know, I, never have I been sitting at home sick and with the flu and felt like witnessing. Never did I want to take a selfie and be like, y'all, man, check out how good God is. <laughs> like, he's not getting glory out of that. He right. is not getting glory out of that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever post a selfie when I had a runny nose and sick. Cause I, why? Because I know I look like garbage, <laughs> you know? <laughs> if I'm like, I'm not posting that. And, and you think, God, that's like his advertising. Hey, check out my kids. Here's my button with my kid's picture. He's sick. See that? I'm such a good father. Yeah. Like the logic of it is is nuts in that way. God wants to take his glory and put it on us. You think his glory, he's sitting up in heaven with a runny nose with COVID, you know, or whatever. You know, he's not doing it. And and yeah. he Jesus said, as as I am, so are you in this world. And the, the word says, as he is, so are we in this world. So if it's not on Jesus, it's not supposed to be on us, but we've got to know the word and we have to apply it. It's, it's really funny, I mean, in a sense, but it's really sad how many people have fallen for that. And it, yeah. what it is is just it's a, it's a sin consciousness system that people have fallen into and an experiential doctrine instead of looking at the word. And uh, one of the, the thing I was going to say about Robert Young's concordance is you heard Brother Hagen multiple times talking about his concordance and how he was showing that there was an allowative tense. And, um, and let me, actually, I'll read you something. So recently there was a guy that was doing a study. I found, I was looking for years to find that reference in that concordance. I finally found it. And the guy was doing a study of uh, this. And I want you to read, I want you to hear this. This is the summary that he wrote. And in this, I don't think it was him. I think it was somebody else that I, that I read. You can prove by the scriptures because people think that God hardened Pharaoh's heart from the get-go. That's not mm -hmm. true. Uh, you can, and I have the link somewhere. I'll have to look it up. But you can prove by the scriptures that God allowed Pharaoh to harden his own heart at, for at least the first five plagues. That's mm -hmm. five, at least, it looks like it's probably the majority of them, but you can prove at least one, two, three, four, and five, Pharaoh did it himself. Pharaoh made the choice, and you can prove it by Scripture. So people think that God just goes around hardening everybody's heart. I love how you said it earlier. No, he will go as far as he can to keep the door open to get his mercy to you until you shut it. Right, yeah. and so he'll yeah. go. That's not God sovereignly forcing that. You know, think about this. Yeah, when you understand the good nature of God and the loving heart of God, God was actually trying to bless Egypt. What mm -hmm. would have happened if they would have let His people go in the beginning? That would have been a huge seed. God, yeah. do you, do you know what Egypt would be today? I believe it would have been the world power because they would have sown into that, God was trying to get them blessed. And, and it's one of those things where we overlook that, but they, because of a hardened and a fleshly heart, um, they missed it. They missed it big time. I think they could have been really, really strong, uh, but instead it's not that way. And um, so, so this guy was uh, studying, uh, it's called uh, vindicatinggod.org, and what you saw was many people started to see in the word that some of these tenses where they said it says God smote them, God did this, even with like the death angel, 
they'll attribute that to one scripture attributes that to God, but then later on in another scripture it says the destroyer did it. It's not contradicting itself. It actually is. God got to the place where he had to allow their choices to come to pass because he's not turning men into robots. And so yeah. he allowed that, and, and he had to allow it because he's not overriding their will. And their will sowed seeds as an enemy of God that there was no other choice but allow it. And the destroyer came in. It wasn't God doing that in that way. Now, I will say this. God is a covenant God, and he will protect his people. He will protect his people just like you would if, you know, if somebody's trying to come in and harm your, ha your family. You would never hurt that person uh, out on the street. But when they try to come into your home and, and hurt your family, God is a protective God, and he will protect his people. And he's a covenant God in that way. He is under covenant to be a protector. So sometimes people find, find that side, and then they want to say, well, he's a big bad God. No, you had the wrong intention in the first place. You were bringing evil, and you set yourself in opposition to God on your own yeah. doing. And that's not God being a mean God. That's God being a loving God to his people. But here's what you see. Even with Pharaoh in Egypt being that way, he still gave them, he gave them 10 chances to get out of it. Just let them go. And look, yeah. look, I, I, I'm better than this God that you're worshiping. I'm better than that God. Like, I'm better than this God. Ten different gods. He's better than them all. And he said, just yeah. let them go. <laughs> you know, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They didn't get, you know, my God's got nothing on this guy. And yeah. um, so here's, here's what they said. They found that these verb tenses that everybody attributed God to be so bad in that it was not God causing it. It was the Lord getting to the place where people stepped beyond his mercy and he had to allow those things to happen. And it, here's the summary. It says, therefore, the faith teachers have been right, even if not meticulous, concerning the allowance sense of the Hebrew in relation to God's acts in the Old Testament that, when translated into English, depict him as an inflictor of all types of evil. Even more important, God's character is vindicated. In other words, when you do this study and you actually look at it unbiasedly, not only is God uh, cleared, he's completely cleared of any evil in that way. He is not the author of evils. He is only said to do that which he allowed to happen because he could have prevented it. However, even this language needs to be explained in order to ensure that God is not looked upon as a cold-hearted backseat observer. God protects us for as long as he legally can by our persistent sinful actions. Uh, by our persistent sinful actions, we push him away. And so, in other words, as we continue to persist in doing ungodly things, we actually push his hand, a blessing and protection away. One of the things he says uh, that, I, that I really liked is, is that actually when they were saying that God was not the author of evils, they actually didn't take it far enough. It was actually when in his study, it was beyond what he had heard said, and which shows the character and nature of God is yeah. perfect, and so, yeah. amen. Amen. Did you uh, I could, did you say you saw on Facebook? You can see there. There's a comment, uh, a question on there, uh, from Greg Griffin near the bottom. It says, "Oh yeah." So in this 
in this context, would God's sovereign will be more of a covering of grace over our and others' free will choices? Meeting us where we are and providing a path for our overcoming and returning to his perfect plan. Yeah, I think that he makes a way in the wilderness. You know, mm-hmm. he, he finds a way. We might not be perfect yet, but his grace will allow us to choose him and then empower us to get to him even in the midst of the stuff that we still have wrong. I think that's yeah. true. Yeah, Greg Greg is from here, so I know Greg. Um, yeah. But yeah, think- there's... And you look at it, like, look at Job, for example. Look at Job. God had, this is even before the New Testament, and and I'm sure you're aware of it as well, as Job is considered to be maybe one of the oldest books in the Bible, if not the oldest, uh, you know, predating the law and one of the first books written. So this was very early on. But you see even in that moment that the devil's complaining. And when he talks to the Lord, he's complaining because God had a hedge of protection around Job. He could not penetrate. And mm-hmm. what you see, I, I think it's very important because Job says, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. He was making yeah. sacrifices daily that he was only mm-hmm. required to do once a year is my understanding. And um, it was one of those things where it's like, Job, you are trying... It, what Job really got into was a fear and legalism. That fear took him into legalism, and that dropped the the uh, protection around him. That dropped that hedge of protection around him. So it was really Job's own doing that did that because he listened to the fear, and uh, the devil was complaining about it. But when that hedge of protection was up around him because he stayed in the place of God's grace, the devil couldn't touch him. He could not touch him. And so then, of course, you know, God says, look, he's in this place. He's dropped this hedge of protection. He tells the devil, he said, now we can see that not just in the words in Job, but we can see that through how fear becomes a conduit. Uh, fear is the not the opposite of faith, but fear is the absence of faith is how I would say it. Um, yeah. A lot of people will say it's the opposite of faith. I, it's kind of like heat and cold to me. Uh, you know, cold is the absence of heat. Darkness is the absence of light. It's not just the opposite. It's the absence of it. Fear is the absence of faith. And so one of the things that you see is that when he moved into that fear, uh, it dropped that hedge of protection. Now the devil can traverse there. But even then, God's saying, look, you know, he basically opened the door to yourself, but don't go any further than this. (laughs) You know, this is my man. Don't go any further than this. And uh, even then, God is God is protecting him, and that's God is so good. He is looking to get His mercy to us. And uh, yeah. I, I had a story one time where I was believing God for some stuff in the church, and um, there was. And this is my opinion. I still do believe this today. We were believing God for a certain thing, uh, pretty large for us at that point. There was another ministry that we were aware of. Uh, that, in my opinion, should not have been a ministry. It was somebody missing God. And um, so they, the, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm on Facebook one day, and, I, and I'm reading. I'm like, here we are. We're, we do believe we're in the will of God. We believe we're doing it the right way and everything. And uh, I believe this other ministry was not in the will of God. I was trying not to judge it, but at, looking at it, like, that didn't look right, you know? And so... All of a sudden, I, on Facebook, scrolling on Facebook, oh, glory to God, look what we just got for our ministry. The very thing we were believing for. 
<laughs> the very thing. I was like, Praise Lord. God for <laughs> I was like, Lord, now you're going to have to explain this one. I'm, I'm a little bent right now. You know? I was like, what is going on? I'm missing something. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to me instantly and said this. He said, I am like a good defense lawyer looking for any legal loophole to get my mercy on people, to get my blessing, my goodness, my mercy to people. And I went, oh, my goodness. And I had to repent right then because I wasn't being merciful. I wasn't yeah. looking for why he, they should get it. I was looking for why they shouldn't get it. I realized my heart towards the it. Lord was wrong. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was looking, and he's looking to get his blessing to be. It wasn't long after that. We got what we were believing for too, but I needed that revelation of his goodness and his mercy. And that causes people to repent. The goodness of the Lord causes, leads men to repentance. And so that really helps us move to those places. So one yeah. of the um, one of the things I've been wanting to get to, and this is the last thing I have for today, is yeah. John 8, you know, the adulterous woman. Mm -hmm. And John 8, uh, verse 2, of course, you know, the religious crowd is trying to, you know, kill Jesus at this point. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to do everything, so they set him up. And they really, they, it's a rock and a hard place. When the first time I read this, I'm like, ooh, that's a, that's a tight spot. And he says, <laughs> early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And she was right in the middle. They caught her red-handed, so to speak. And it says, having set her in the center of the court, and they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. I always find it funny. Well, where, where's the dude? Like, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why'd you bring her and not him? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes people allow what they won't allow. And uh, anyway, it says, verse 5, they said, Now in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? Now, they were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. Mm -hmm. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground. Now, right here, it's very interesting because if you, you've got three different things to look at, you have the law of God to uphold, mm -hmm. you have the heart of the religious leaders right? The kind of like government leaders. And, and then you have the heart of the people. So you have three different elements here. You, if, he, if he breaks the law of God, he's sin in God, and the leaders are going to go after him. So in that way. But if he, if he lets, in other words, if he lets the woman go and says, you know, no, then he breaks the law, he breaks the law of God, and he, and he breaks that heart. But if he stones the woman, he loses the heart of the people. Like right. if he says, yep, she was caught in that, kill her, you know, he loses the heart of the people. This is, this is a rock in three hard places. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a jam, you know. And um, so what do you do? Well, what you do in those situations is you yield yourself to the fellowship with the Holy Spirit who will teach you all things. That's exactly what he does. He, he finds himself in a, in a rock and a hard place, and he says, 
I need your wisdom. I need heavenly wisdom right now. And so he doesn't answer until we know that he never said anything but what he heard the Father said. So he doesn't answer anything until the Lord says, say this. And when the Lord says, say this, God, uh, Jesus says what the Father says, and that's when he says uh, in verse 7, but they persisted in asking him, and he straightened up. And notice he wasn't answering them right off. This is, there's a pressure in the world to always have an answer for everything. A wise person and a mature person doesn't always answer every question. Yeah. He straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a, st- a stone at her. <laughs> and it's like heavenly wisdom drops, mic drop moment, you know, And again, he stooped down and rode on the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to to her, woman, where are they? Uh, In the King James, it says, where are your accusers? Yeah. And then it says, did no one condemn you? (laughs) Golly. (laughs) She... Yeah, I just I just see the love of the, the father in the story. How yeah. he doesn't want to utilize sin to punish in that way. That's not his heart. His heart is to set us free. This woman just a few seconds ago is about to die. They're yeah. using her as a martyr for their evil cause to set up this man of God, the son of God, and and she's going to pay the price of their evilness with her life. And then she was, you know, she set herself, she put herself in the trap, right? Right. But now she's about to die, and all of a sudden, no one's there to accuse her. Yeah. The wisdom of God, the mercy of God swept in to an adulterous woman and has swept away all of her accusers. Mm-hmm. He says, he says, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. Now, see, I want a couple of things to look at is he says, he doesn't say, all right, now listen, are, are you going to sin anymore? And if so, I'm going to bless you and send you on your way and I'll save you from these guys. Like, are you done? Are you done? You know, he doesn't yeah. do that first. No, he pours out his mercy first. Because it's the goodness of God that empowers us to change. The goodness of God, he says, okay, now, this is my heart towards you. I want to set you free. I don't want you accused. I don't want you punished for sin. Now, take this love that I just poured out on you. This, my part is to get the love to you. Now, you take this love, let it empower you to send that love back to me from, by not sinning anymore, you see? And so it's, we loved because he first loved us. And but one of the things that you see is this. He only did what the Father said. He, he only did what the Father did. He only said what the Father said. Most people looking at God of the Old Testament would say, that woman's dead. She's dying today. She's getting stoned. That wasn't the heart of the Father even back here in the law. God didn't yeah. want that. He was looking for a way to set people free and to completely change their life, not to not to lock them up in sickness and try to teach them something, not to use the curse. God doesn't mm-hmm. use the curse to bless people. He uses right. the blessing to bless people, right? 
It got, yeah, yeah. And sickness is a part of the curse. And we are redeemed yeah. from the curse in Galatians 3.13. So here's one thing that is so big, though. It's so big. And I really feel like this is for people that may be watching today and you just felt bad and been beating yourself up and everything. I want you to see this. This is God's heart towards you. God's heart is not to punish you. God's, God's heart is to set you free from that so that you never have to walk in it again. God's heart is set you free from sickness and disease. Yeah. God's heart is to take every grief of your body and for it to be, he bore it on the cross. He carried it on the cross and by the stripes you're healed. And every bit of sin, every bit of the curse that comes with sin, sickness included, he wants you set free from. And, and this is the thing. I think this is one of the points that's majorly overlooked in this story. There was one there that had no sin that had the ability to start chunking rocks. <laughs> and his name was Jesus. Yeah. Even though, see, Jesus, according to his own words, only let the one that has no sin throw stones. But the, I want you to see this. Not only was it Jesus' heart to not throw stones, but it was the Father's heart mm -hmm. to not throw stones because he only did what the Father did. Even though he was perfect and fully had the legal right to throw stones, he didn't do it. Yeah. So why would he, because we need to learn something, if he do this to this lady, why? Because we need to learn something. Would, would he start throwing stones of sickness right. at our life? Why would he do that? That would then be a respecter of persons. He would respect this lady more than us. That's not his character. That's not his nature. His nature is a healer. His nature is a loving father, the father of lights. His nature is one who takes the accuser and deals with the accuser. And, he's, and he gives love to you and I, and he wants to pour it out to the whole world, anyone that will receive it. He wants to pour that love out to the whole world for anyone that will receive it, and they can walk straight out of the accusation and the sin and be free and go and sin no more, and then their life can just stair-step in the blessings, blessing mm -hmm. after blessing. Let, it, let the blessings cascade, all the good and perfect gifts cascade from heaven. That's yeah. God's plan. It is not for calamity, and it's not for sickness. He's the healer. That would go get his very nature is Jehovah Rapha, you know, yeah. in Exodus. His very nature is Jehovah Rapha. That would break his nature, nature to use sickness or to put sickness on you in that way or to put evil on you in any way. That breaks his nature. It breaks his promise. That's what the devil wants us to believe, but it's not true, and it's yeah, never been true, and it's time for us to get in that yeah. word and know it. Amen. Yeah, yeah, or even just to allow it so that you're taught a lesson. It's it, yeah. He 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 he's given us authority over those things. So yes, we're the ones that allow something. I love what Andrew Womack says: the devil can't do anything to you without your consent and cooperation. Because you have the authority; he's got none. Yeah, the authority is us. So what happens to us? We allow. Yes, we allow it. I, I mean, I know that's probably not going to make some people feel good because they're in bad, maybe bad situations, but yes. it's the truth that will set you free and to know that you have the authority to not allow that to exist in your body, to not to allow that to exist in your finances and your mind and, and everything is freeing because now you yes. have, you have, you've been empowered to come against it Yes, with all the resources of heaven to back you up and to, when you say I'm healed, 
the resources of heaven yes. flow through into your body. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that, that's why I say you've got to see sickness and disease as illegal. You know, it's already done and paid for. I'll tell people at the church and online all the time, I'll say, look, why would I go and, and you know, buy milk at the store, buy a gallon of milk at the store, bring it home, take it back to the store, and pay for it again? You know, <laughs> Jesus already paid for it. It's already finished. Why yeah. would I do that? That would be being a bad steward in that way. So one of the things you, you see is that we have to see it that way, and, and I thought you wrapped that up very well in, in the fact that we have to see that we have a responsibility, that this earth is in our hands, and it's God's done his part. He finished his part. He paid for all of the blessing of God to flow into our lives, all of the authority of God. That authority is in our hands again, and we've got to apply that authority, and it begins with knowing who God is, what his word is, and what those promises are. And we can't be, um, we can't be uh, irresponsible with those promises. He says, occupy till I come. You can't take the promises of God and bury them like talents. You've got to utilize them. So we've got to know that word, know who he is, know those promises, take responsibility for it. But here's the beautiful part of it is many times we've not felt like we, we have it enough within us to get that done, like we're not good enough. But that's not true either. He will give you of his grace, his supernatural empowerment to walk those things out. Uh, first Peter, uh, first Peter, first Peter or second Peter, I think it's second Peter chapter one and verse three. Um, I was mixing the numbers up. Second Peter one, three says concerning uh, life and godliness, he's already granted to us everything yeah. for life and everything for godliness. So where we think we can't do it, if we will say, Lord, by myself, I can't, but I draw on you to walk this out to apply this, this healing, to apply this faith. I know you will empower me to do so. God will give you the grace and the power to do exactly that and to take that authority and to apply it properly and see the fruit, see the manifestation. It's awesome. Amen, amen. Well, we've, we've gone an hour and 15 minutes, so I think we need to wrap this thing up. But uh, Pastor Brian, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing it. Thank you. If I could just ask you kind of to close it out in a word of prayer to seal this word that people heard, I would really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I just want to ask everybody, uh, how about right now, instead of where we have been, uh, maybe a little bit short of the full manifestation in some area of our life where we, our location, because even if you've been doing really, really good, um, I don't know anybody in the earth that looks just like Jesus and they're walking the full manifestation of Jesus. So I would say all of us can go up a level. Let, let's level yeah. up, you know. So no matter where we're at right now, no matter what location we're at, how about we go up a level right here? Lord, I wanna, we want to apply what you've given us. We want to take the goodness of God, the love of God, and we want to level up right now. And so let's agree for that. And just, just pray this with me. Just say, Jesus... Today, you are the Lord of my life. You're the director. You call the shots, and I'll be obedient and willing and eat the good of the land. Jesus, you are Lord. You're on the throne of my life. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. 
And I believe that you died for me and that God brought you back to life. And when he, he raised you up, Jesus, you did not leave me in that place of death. But with Christ, you raised me and seated me in places of fullness of life with Christ in heavenly places. And you put all things of the curse under my feet because they're under Jesus' feet. And so, Lord, I take my authority, and I'm leveling up today. Jesus, I ask you, baptize me with the Holy Spirit and with fire that I can walk with purpose and empowered to be your witness and carry your glory in a dark world. Lord, right now, I choose to put on healing and every part of my salvation, and I receive it by faith. I take it. I take responsibility, and I take your promises, and I apply them right now. And I'm going to walk like you walk. As you are, Jesus, so am I in this world. I'm not waiting to get to heaven. I'm like that here in the name of Jesus. I'm going to take my authority. I'm going to take my responsibility, and I'm going to take your character and nature and your promises, and I'm going to drive darkness back and let the light of God shine through me, and I won't put a basket on top of it. I won't, put, I won't pull a shade over the goodness of God, but I'll let the fullness of his goodness shine and love be passed on to others and let that love change people's hearts, that goodness take them to repentance. And I will have the benefits as well. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Glory to God. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for just taking time out. I know you, you went from one thing right to this and I really appreciate you scheduling it and, and yeah. joining us. So, yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk again. We'll get this scheduled again, maybe yeah. uh, uh, sometime in December. Uh, but um, I really appreciate it. And if you don't mind just hanging on for a minute while I disconnect us to Facebook and we'll just kind of close it up. But uh, don't forget, everybody, next Tuesday, uh, we'll be live again at noon uh, central on Hope City's Facebook page uh, for another session of TNT. We'll continue talking about God's true nature and uh, just join us then. And, um, you know, if you do Amen. have questions after you listen to it, maybe you listen to this in a month from now, but you got questions posted on there. I, I like to go back and look and see if there's any questions that I can answer. So post answers, communicate with us, let us know, because we want to help you know God's true nature so you can have 100% understanding of his nature. Yes. And that he's on your side and he is for you. So Amen. love you all. God bless. Thank you all. Love you very and much. I'm thank gonna, you for having us. Hey, thank you. I'm going to disconnect this right now. So bye-bye.